You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Annie McLaughlin here for Stick Together, a half hour of workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. We come to you from 3CR on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nation with respect to their elders past, present and emerging. We are coming to you on your community radio station through the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation. Today we're going to look at workers whose livelihoods are precarious and where the idea of effective action for change in wages and conditions seemed like a pipe dream. Precarity can be beaten, said Mike Treen from Unite New Zealand when he came to the Eco-Socialism Conference in June 2023. He tells us about a major win for migrant workers in New Zealand through direct action from a very low base. We then hear from members of RAFU, the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, who took industrial action throughout the Christmas period in a landmark action across both Coles and Woolworths for what one worker described as a dream come true. But first, some union news. Maritime Union of Australia, MUA, and Electrical Trade Union, ETU, members working at the Geelong Port near Melbourne, Victoria, went on strike for 24 hours over January 1st to 2nd. The MUA's enterprise agreement expired last October and the port management has refused to offer a pay rise reflecting cost of living increases. Port workers are also defending their hard-fought-for four-day week. They work 10.5-hour days on a rotating basis. Management is demanding they increase their workdays to a nine-day fortnight. David Ball, MUA Victorian Branch Assistant Secretary, said that the members are determined to defend their conditions and keep up with rising cost of living. Support for ongoing action is unanimous, with work bans and rolling four-hour stoppages set to continue, he said. Geelong Port increased their profits last year thanks to the hard work of our members, so it's only fair to share the gains. The Port of Geelong is the sixth largest in Australia by tonnage, privatised in 1996, being sold to Ports Proprietary Limited for $49.6 million. It was resold last year for $1.2 billion as a joint venture owned 50% by State Super and 50% by Brookfields Lynx Cargo Group and reportedly took a $8.4 million after-tax profit. The next stop work action will be on January the 16th. The Australian Services Union, the ASU, has stepped up its campaign to end unpaid placements for workers or students undertaking community services degrees. They are required to complete 1,000 hours of unpaid placements. That's a third of a year's worth of full-time work without pay. And I'm in a position now where... I cannot finish my degree because um, I am uh, paying a mortgage, I'm raising three kids and I'm um, expected to do 1,000 free hours of placement even though I've been working in the sector for the last 25 years. 
Um, and I think it's really important to end that student placement poverty um, so we don't have people um, drop out of their degrees, change their degrees, um, and who um, aren't in a position to do what they love. I do not want to give up my job to do a free placement. The ASU maintains, like apprentices in other fields, social work students or workers who are upskilling deserve to be paid for their work. They are calling for the federal government to fund organisations that take students on through placements to pay them for their work at the minimum industry rate, create employment relationships between organisations and students to create better pathways to careers in the sector and ensure education providers and placement agencies pay social work at the minimum industry rate. The beginning of 2024 saw the longest ever NHS National Health Service strike in UK history begin with junior doctors taking six days of strike action over the appallingly low wages of £14 an hour they receive. There will be a full six-day workout from 7am on Wednesday the 3rd of January to 7am on Tuesday 9th of January. Dr Rob Lawrenson, co-chair of the British Medical Association, BMA's Junior Doctors Committee, said no doctor wants to go on strike and we are asking the government to get back around the table and make a credible offer that we can put to our members and stop more strike action. But if it's not enough progress, we will have to consider further industrial action. Put a credible offer on the table and we can avert the need for further strike action. There will be pickets at work sites across England on the day of junior doctor strike action as well as protests and other activities. Swedish music streaming service Spotify is like YouTube becoming a normal part of everyday life. However, it is a business and the following information gives an insight into how workers are faring in the corporate ether of a company which shaves up workers in response to corporate strategy without interest in social ramifications. Spotify cut 6% of its workforce, or about 600 employees, at the start of the year. The company then laid off 2% of the staff, equivalent to roughly 200 roles, in June, and then there was the pre-Christmas slashing of 17% or 1,500 jobs. In a message to the employees posted on the company's blog, CEO Daniel Eck said the jobs were being cut as part of a strategic reorientation. That despite Spotify reporting a 65 million euro or 70.7 million dollar profit for the third quarter, Spotify CEO Daniel Eck's internal fulsome email actually went on to say, for those leaving, we're a better company because of your dedicated and hard work. Thank you for sharing your talents with us. I hope you know that your contributions have impacted more than half a billion people and millions of artists, creators and authors around the world in profound ways. Before outlining severance packages. It finished with, lean doesn't mean small ambitions. It means smarter more impactful paths to achieve them. The Hustle's Ben Berkeley wrote, You know the phrase, no good deed goes unpunished? 
This week, employees at Spotify learned firsthand just what that means. If the company fails, you're on the chopping block. If the company succeeds, sorry, you're still on the chopping block. Wells Fargo analysts said that the layoffs are likely a sign of Spotify's continued focus on achieving its profitability targets rather than a reaction to economic headwinds. However, the Spotify story for workers doesn't stop here. A petition emanating out of Germany, Pro Musik, alerts us to how the Spotify business model will impact musicians. Less than six months before the new year, Spotify confirms the rumours about the adjustment of its billing model. From 2024, only songs that collect at least 1,000 streams per year will be remunerated. In addition, according to Spotify, a song will only be categorised as eligible when it reaches a total of 1,000 streams for the first time ever. All months before that will be excluded from the count. And what makes the announcement move even more incredible is that the minimum limit of streams is linked to the minimum number of listeners. This makes it even more difficult for artists with a small dedicated fan base to reach this threshold. The proceeds from all songs that do not reach these thresholds, around $40 million per year, are then distributed to the artists who are entitled to remuneration according to the streaming services criteria. The petition says, With the announced changes, Spotify is ensuring that the gap between particularly successful musicians and smaller musicians continues to widen and that Large acts and labels in particular benefit from the changes at the expense of smaller ones. Survival of the fittest, turbo capitalism at its best. You are listening to Stick Together, Workers' Stories, Union News and Social Justice Issues on the Community Radio Network. You are with Annie. Precarity can be beaten, said Mike Treen from Unite New Zealand when he came to the Eco-Socialism Conference in June 2023. Mike Treen described a pretty extraordinary victory for his members that literally defines the meaning of if you don't fight, you lose. Mike Treen. probably know it, but Australia, you are paid significantly more than we on average get paid in New Zealand. What that means is that we lose a, about 1% of our population to Australia each year and they need to be replaced. So as a consequence, currently we have a million New Zealand-born people who are living overseas, mostly in Australia, and we have a million people, or around 20% of the population in New Zealand who were overseas born but have become residents of New Zealand. There's an important point to this, which is that we have just we have achieved last year, I think, one of the most important changes in New Zealand uh, society uh, in <coughs> terms of strengthening the interests of the working class. Because part of this being bringing people in and giving them residency of New Zealand. Uh, alongside that, for the last 20 or 30 years, so around 20 or 30,000 people a year were given permanent residencies. 
but it was becoming obvious that much more than that was happening. But it was never explained in the media or anywhere else, all data could be found for it. All you were told were flow numbers of people coming in and leaving with the intention of staying for a year or more or leaving for a year or more, and that became the data on what migration was happening. And generally, it was, you know, the flow was 50 or 60,000 and not 20 or 30,000 net. What that meant was, over the last 10, 15 years, there has been a steady growth of people on various forms of work visas, you know, student work, students working, working holiday visas, work visas, post-study work visas. Um, and the exploitation, and many of, half of these visas were tied to employers. You cannot change your employer. You're bonded. It's a form of bonding. But no one knew exactly how many there were in the country. And they were being renewed and renewed and renewed for up to a decade or more, right? But you'd have no permanence and you're stuck, bonded. And we were dealing with awful, truly awful cases of exploitation, right? Where they take a whole industries like liquor shops were run essentially as a migrant, you know, migrant exploitation business. You, you open a liquor shop, you sell, you sell work visas and maybe a chance to transition to residency. We knew that we needed, the only way people could get their rights was to get a, to get residency. So when COVID happened and they closed the borders, we launched a campaign we called Pathways to Residency. To, and we said everyone who is stuck here should have a pathway to residency. That we have been criminally exploiting them and taking advantage of this growing land. We didn't exactly know what the number was. What we discovered was when COVID happened, 300,000 people were on a temporary work visa in New Zealand. 15% of the workforce. Some of them for up to a decade. Pathways to residency got... We did petitions. Tens of thousands of people signed. We had marches in the street. Thousands of people, COVID notwithstanding, were marching in the street to support this campaign. And the end of this campaign, 250,000 people got Pathways to Residency. Just full pump, with the stroke of a pen, right? Everyone who's, I think, three years or more got a pathway to residency. And then all sorts of other categories were brought, you know, they, all sorts of other categories and based on skill and sort of... So that was, yeah, so that, and that has strengthened the working class. They can change their jobs. They can, they can tell their employer to get F, you know, uh, and they can assert their rights which you can't do when you're trapped in this, in this awful recycling. The problem now is that it's actually almost automatically, you know, uh, it's almost gone back to, so we had that one-off win, right? But uh, the disturbing thing is, is that the, the return to this temporary work visa situation is, of course, happening again, and so we're getting all these new exploitation, awful exploitation cases happening again, so we have to keep this fight going for as long as it takes. 
The final point I want to make, a little boast, right? Unite launched a, um, a, a, a campaign against the fast food companies stealing annual leave. This is some five, six years ago we started a campaign around this issue. As a consequence of that campaign and starting legal action against McDonald's and others, the, the government agency responsible for enforcing workplace standards announced that every, essentially every payroll system wasn't, because we had found it out and exposed it, every payroll system was not paying annual leave correctly. It's a long story, but at the moment, $5 billion is being paid back to workers in New Zealand as a consequence of that work. <laughs> you are listening to Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues on the Community Radio Network. You are with Annie Rathu, that's Retail and Fast Food Workers Union members, working at Coles and Woolworths, were building on their super strike action in October by taking industrial action leading up to Christmas with the main focus on a living wage of $29 an hour, secure jobs and safe workplaces. This strike began on the 20th of December at Woolies and Broken Hill. On Thursday, the 21st of December, members represented by RAFU at Coles Banksia Grove in Western Australia put down tools as well. Midday on Friday, the 22nd of December, RAFU represented members throughout the rest of the country joined them. Super strike events were held in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth on Friday the 22nd of December. We go down to the Spencer Street Coles in Melbourne. Um, today we've got over 1,200 members taking action across Coles and Woolworths which is absolutely fantastic. This will be the first time in history that in Australia that retail workers in the duopoly have taken strike action, both at the same time but at Christmas. So this is a really powerful uh, message to companies that have been exploiting these workers for years. You know, last year they combined made over two and a half billion dollars in profit whilst refusing to pay these workers a living wage, to re refusing to give these workers strong safety rights and an agreement and even refusing improve, like, good improvements for job security. Now I know that RAFU is a fighting union and these kind of actions have been worked out by members themselves. This escalation is something that members have looked for. Absolutely. We're a member-driven union and we have regular meetings with members that decide and, and both leaders of delegates as well where they think about the actions, uh, everything is really well considered, they keep in mind their co-workers um, and it's being led. They tell the union what they want to do and we support them in doing that and help facilitate what the action that they want to take. It's, it's interesting because SDA has been a long time retail union that has made deals with Coles and Woolworths, the two largest um, employers in Australia. Uh, but RAFU's come in um, later and I remember when uh, there was the um, big fight about the better overall test which was won um, for Coles workers uh, at, at the Fair Work Commission and it was through RAFU that this happened otherwise it would have just passed through without any, any problems at all. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm a Victorian organiser now of Referee, but I was for over six years a, a Woolworths worker um, who, because of those deals that you, you mentioned, was earning four plus thousand dollars a year less than the minimum wage in a company that was posting billion dollar profits that whole time. Um, and this was like the, the change, this change needed to happen, like a raffroo was inevitable. Um, these workers, like we've always deserved a union that fights for us and empowers us. It's not like we haven't wanted to do these sorts of things we're now doing. It's just we've always, workers have always been suppressed. We've always been discouraged from even thinking about changing our working conditions um, and that is like I think that's the proudest thing about RAFRU is that we're encouraging and empowering workers to actually starting to imagine a world where maybe they can get a living wage. Um, so I worked at Coles for seven years, my name's Stephen, the upper management of the store had little understanding of processes and would work us <laughs> to the bone. As the years go on, the same job would require more and more work. I've worked in many departments, and one of them was uh, what's called POS, point of sale, which is putting out tickets for the special changeovers on Wednesday, and uh, changing the ends and the header boards and all the big signs. And the job I was given, four or five years ago, two or three people were doing the job that I was told to do in five hours. So what, they've reduced the amount of people they're employing and they're expecting them to do, what, three times as much work? Yeah, pretty much. That's my experience, yes. Okay, and I've heard from someone else that they're uh, doing things like employing a whole lot of young people at much less rate and then expecting the older people to train them without any Yes, um, oh yeah, loading. absolutely. Um, so from my experience, all training is put on the department manager and the, but the department manager is not given extra resources or time to train. Like They are officially actually given a tiny amount of time to train, but it is nowhere near enough. I used to run the online department for Click and Collect in my store, and I was, as the team leader, I was not given any time for the, uh, basically the team leader jobs, like checking that everything, all the processes were done correctly, checking all the paperwork was correct, everything. I was given literally no time. <laughs> I, I asked for a demotion from that job. I ended up, I was so stressed, I just asked for a demotion. I'm from 3CR, and um, I was wondering if you'd like to tell me why you think it's important to be out here today. Uh, I think because of the wages, everything is going up, like living costs, everything. And the wages, plus those safety issues, they, because we talked through so many times, and they haven't, the action hasn't been taken from the like management, so that's why we're fighting for like so. Because the way we are in the bakery, is need more safety things, like you, you get burned and things. The area is small areas and you know. And it's hot. Yeah, hot too, like. You need you, ventilation. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And they should have done better, but they haven't listened to that, so we have to fight for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, and uh, I notice that uh, when everybody's come together like this, everybody is very friendly and uh, it's, it's a good feeling to come, yeah, it is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is a good feeling because uh, the people in Tajism, you know, the, the way people here and helping is a very, very good feeling. So that's why I'm happy to, you know, so yeah. fighting for. And like even the roastering the way, they, they put the time roaster without asking us and without our concerns, you know, so. Yeah. So tell me about the junior rates and how it affects you. 
Um, fortunately for me, I'm over the age of 20, but for my co-workers who are under the age of 20, many of them are paying rent and bills the same as the rest of us and doing the exact same work for much less pay. I don't know how any of them are surviving with the current cost of living crisis at all. Yeah, why are you here today? I'm here asking for, uh, for, for a better wage and also for, uh, for safety. Yeah. Where, which part do you work in? I work in Coles Century Lakes. Coles Century Lakes. Okay, alright. And, and what are the issues there? So when I was working there, I was being uh, harassed and bullied. And I spoke to my union and they got involved and yeah, then they got sorted and resolved. Oh well, that's why you're here. Your union did work for you. Yeah, yeah. they helped and yeah, got resolved. My name's Michael, I'm a Victorian organiser and I'm absolutely thrilled to see so many of you here today. I'm a referee worker now, but for six and a half years I was a, a Woolies worker myself and nothing fills me with pride more than to see workers taking a stand and fighting a billion dollar company for a living wage, job security and safety rights like you're all doing today. So well done everyone. All these actions kicked off across the country today, but two days ago, Broken Hill Woolworths took the lead where over 40 members, over half the store, walked out and had such an enormous impact on the company that they flew in scabs from around the country to fill their role. That's how afraid of action they were. So we've got a few workers here to talk to you all about why they're fighting. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Josh. I work at Woolworths for 22 years down at uh, Rosebud on the peninsula. Bit closer, thank you Lucas. Um, I'm taking action today because we need greater autonomy over our personal lives. And that can't be achieved with low wages. At the end of the day, uh, low wages, or wages are so low, desperation so great, that people have to work weekends, unsociable working hours just to survive. 22 years ago, I suggested to a whole heap of disgruntled workers in my uh, tea room that we should go on strike and I was told we weren't allowed to do that because it would cost the company huge money and we were all shareholders. So... Shame! Shame! Uh, this is a dream come true 20 years later to think that we here as retail workers, both at Coles and Woolworths, that we're all striking for better paying conditions. And while we may have all met some cynicism and some criticism and some scepticism because what we're trying to achieve is up against the might and power of Coles and Woolworths. I'm hoping that what we've started is a trend that will continue into the future, that what may seem abnormal to us now will become the future and it'll be how we tackle our EBAs from here on in. I mean, unless generosity kicks in from upstairs, but that's not going to happen, so solidarity. If wages don't rise, work as well. If wages don't rise. That's it for Stick Together this week. If you want to catch up with the program, the podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or at your favourite podcast site. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. My name is Annie McLaughlin. Remember, 
Wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. And until next time, stick together. They go wild, simply wild over me. Though I've never done them harm that I can see. I'm as gentle as a lamb, but they take me for a ram. They go wild, simply wild over me. Oh, the cop, he went wild over me. And he held his gun where everyone could see. He was breathing rather hard when he saw my union card. He went wild, simply wild over me. Then the judge, he went wild over me. And I plainly saw we never could agree. So I let the man obey what his conscience had to say. He went wild, simply wild over me. Then the jailer, he went wild over me. When he locked me up and threw away the They go wild, simply wild over me I'm referring to the bed bug and the flea Oh, they murmur in my sleep They disturb my slumber deep They go wild, simply wild over me Will the roses grow wild over me When I've gone into the land that is to be When my soul and body part of my heart Will the roses grow wild over me? Well then God He went wild over me When I knelt beside the throne on bended knee When the angels turned to yell You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.